Hi, I'm Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. You just grabbed me, like, in between my legs, like, you just grabbed it real hard. Welcome back. Hey. We're here. We're here. And we're just going to dive right in because it sounds like we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. That's what Farron's giving me hints about anyway. Yeah, we have a lot to cover today. Okay, so let's just jump right in. Because we've covered now some pretty important myths about domestic violence and Mm -hmm. we've covered some pretty important myths about sexual assault. And so now I think it's important that we dive into cases, actual cases. I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay. Me too. Um, Why are you looking like that? Well... Because this case sucks. Oh, no. And I'm real, I'm upset about it. And you're going to be upset about it. I know you know a little bit about it. Oh, no. So. Ugh, I just finished my Diet Coke, too. So what am I going to fall back on? Your tea. Yeah, that's right. Farron did prepare me. She made me some tea, some tea because she knew this was going to yes. upset me. So. So. Um, oh, so this okay. one's this one's tough. Um, so. Recently. Um. There's been a lot of news in the headlines about a woman named Centoya Brown. Um, And for people who who don't really know a lot about her, we're going to get into her case today and talk about what's been going on. So I know you know a little bit. Yeah, just from from my friend Kim K. Yeah, right, Kim K. Yep. So Kim K is Kim Kardashian. Yes, good friends. Good friend of Safe Project. Mm -hmm. Um, She... Actually, surprisingly, Kim Kardashian is pretty vocal about, like, prison reform and... um, Weirdly, more than other things. Minority populations and, like, injustices and human rights violations. I feel like she's always up in those jails, though. Yeah, she Hmm. is. So that's, like, that's good. At least she's using her stuff for a good cause. Anyway, so a few years ago, Kim Kardashian and Rihanna brought this woman's case to the forefront because they started talking about it on social media. Um, Even though it... It all happened in 2004, so we're now, how many, 14 years later, we're talking about this still. Um, And the reason it's back in the headlines is because the Tennessee Supreme Court last week um, made a decision to uphold um, Centoya Brown's prison sentence, keep her in prison for another 51 years before she'd be eligible for parole. You know what? I'm going to just, I've just decided, I'm going to have an open mind about this. I I come with a lot of like... Eagerness to believe Centoya and and I want... I'm just saying I'm going to have an open mind. Maybe they have some... You're going to prove that they have evidence, right? Uh, no, no. You're going to put... Okay. My, you're going to restore my faith in the justice system, are you not? I, I don't know. Yes. Yes. Her eyes say she's lying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so for those who don't know who Centoya Brown is, she, at the time, in 2004, was a 16-year-old girl who um, shot and killed a man who had solicited her for sex, a man who was 43 years old. Um, He had solicited her for sex, and she shot him at his house in his bed and took his wallet and I believe took a couple of firearms from his house and his vehicle and fled. Okay. So that's that's what happens. Sure. Um... I assume there's more to this story. Well, yes, but that's okay. why she's in prison, right? Like, Got that's it. why she's in prison right Got now it. is because she's serving a sentence for first-degree murder and robbery 
And all kinds of other stuff. So are people split about this topic or do people mostly believe that she's innocent or that she's guilty? I feel like the stuff I see on social media is like free Centoya stuff, Mm -hmm. but I know that my social media might look different than a lot of the nations. I don't know. I think that people... So moveon.org has a petition with over 500,000 signatures to support her release because of her story. Centoya's story is heartbreaking. Um, At eight months old, she was um, put into the foster care system Mm. at eight months old. That's a good start. Yep. And she was basically passed around in the foster care system, in and out of foster homes, run away, all that kind of stuff. She was repeatedly abused, sexually abused, physically abused as a child. Um, on top of that, her mother... Sounds, sounds like we should be hard on her. Right. She... Yeah. Yes. We should be very hard on her and not understanding at all of her childhood trauma. Mm, no. So, to top it all off, her mother has a very, very substantial history of severe and persistent mental illness and substance abuse. Her mother admitted to drinking a fifth, at least a fifth of alcohol a day while she was pregnant with Centoya. So, I assume that that's part of the reason that she was in the foster care system. Yeah, I assume so. Okay. Yes, and her mother was a teen mom. Her mom was sixteen when she had her. Okay. So, um, the odds are kind of stacked the odds were her. against Centoya's mom. Yeah, and I think her name is Regina. Okay. Um, so Centoya is now been adopted. Right before this happens, she's been adopted. Great. She runs away from her adoptive family because her adoptive mother and. It, she she speaks about her as if she was very, well, she expected Centoya to be perfect. She expected mm-hmm. her to be this stand-up kid. I don't know if there was a lot of understanding in the, in the family and maybe not a lot of support given to the family about Centoya's trauma and her history with abuse and things like that. And I think adoptive parents often face a lot of, like, yeah. really uphill battles, especially yeah. when adopting a teenage child who's been in and out of foster care their whole life. Right. True. And I think I know that I know that you are right. This is going to upset me mm-hmm. because this hits all of my hot button topics. Yeah. Primarily child welfare. Secondly, trauma and how people do not understand it. And so I think it's important to realize here that Centoya, so she didn't experience, she experienced trauma, but that's not where it stopped with her. Right. Because she was repeatedly in the foster care system, passed around. Sounds like there was a repeated different types of abuse throughout that journey. Mm -hmm. And so I would I would classify what she experienced as complex trauma, Mm -hmm. which is different than regular trauma. Right. Only in intensity, really. So complex trauma, for those who aren't familiar with that, that basically means that you are exposed to trauma over a long period of time and repeatedly. Yeah. And it sounds like that was Centoya's... Yeah, her life was never just okay. Yeah. Right? Right. And so her her adoptive father, um, she says, was, was very abusive. Oh. Physically abusive. He would hit her, slap her, and tell her that he just... A lot of times tell her he did it because he just felt like it. I just... Okay. Really not a nice guy. So I assumed that the adoptive home was just... It was a hard thing to go through... After the flux of foster care. But yeah. there was actual abuse happening. There was abuse happening in the adoption. Oh, home. okay. Yeah. Um, and so she runs away. Okay. Because well, she's got a history of running. Right. Well, also. And she's you're being, being abused. abused. Right. So she runs away. 
She ends up with this guy named Cutthroat. What a cute name. <laughs> that is so sweet. That's precious. His oh. name's Cutthroat. I, I, I can't remember how old Cutthroat is, but he's, mm. old, he's in his 20s. He's a lot older than her. Yeah. She's a child. She's 16 years She's old. She's 16 at this point. So she ends up with Cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And she says they spent about three weeks together bouncing around from motel to motel. Bliss. Yes. He's a dreamboat. Yeah. Yes. Bouncing around from motel to motel, doing drugs, having sex, often which was not consensual. She talked about how he would rape her um, frequently and he would also force her to have sex with, with men. He was pimping her out. Okay. He was trafficking her. No, doesn't she have a history of sexual abuse as well? Oh, yes. Okay. A strong history of sexual abuse. Um, she said that the first time that it ever got physical between her and him, he strangled her until she passed out. Mm. So she knew from that moment on, he's going to kill her. If he could strangle me till I passed out, he's not afraid to kill me. That's what she said. Those were her exact words. Okay. Um, so he sets a precedence right away that she... She can't leave him. She can't run because he'll find her and he'll kill her. Hmm. Um, and she's run away from her adoptive parents. So she probably thinks that even if she did, she wouldn't have anywhere to go. Her adoptive father is not going to be understanding. Correct. And she's just going to get punished. For running away. For running away. Yeah. So she Ooh. testified in her trial that Cutthroat, she said, would explain to me that some people were born whores and that I was one and I was a slut and nobody'd want me but him. And the best thing I could do was just learn to be a good whore. Those were the things that this man was telling a 16-year-old I'm trying, child. I'm trying to let this sink in. Yes. 16 years old. Yeah. So he's... So I'm just I'm just trying to imagine a relationship and where that was, like, the norm conversation. Yeah. Like, what do you talk about with your husband, typically? Mm-hmm. Work. Yeah, work. Uh, our kids. Okay. Uh, what, what to get for Christmas for our parents. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, 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 you know, politics. Okay. Yeah. He's, yeah, we don't talk about And so that kind that. of sets the tone for your relationship. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of know what to expect based on your conversation. Uh-huh. That you are going to go to work. You both care about politics. You're going to care for your kids. Yep. Based on that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine, like, if you were in a relationship in, in which, read it again, read it again. Some people were born whores and that I was one and I was a slut and nobody'd want me but him. And the best thing I could do was just learn to be a good whore. So I'm just saying, like, if that's the conversation that's having, and sometimes conversations are kind of like a shadow of what a relationship might be like. I just can't imagine what their relationship was like. Right. Yeah. So he finally starts telling Centoya she's lazy, she's not holding up her end of things, she's not contributing to their relationship which financially. Is, which was contributing to their relationship. Financially. Meaning... Right. He wants her to go out and make money. Yeah, okay. Right? So... And not, like... He doesn't want her to go work at, at the Burger King. IHOP. Yeah. He wants her to go out and prostitute herself right. for money. Okay. And he tells her on the night of August 6, 2004, that she's going to go out and she's going to get some money. Yeah. So she goes to this area of town where she knows there's a lot of activity with prostitutes. And she meets this guy named Johnny Allen. I believe that's his first name is Johnny. And she meets him at a Sonic. And he is 43 years old. And he solicits her for sex. Okay. Okay. So he takes her back to his house and he agrees to pay her, I believe, $150 for 
sex. So they go back to his house. It sounds like she eats. He got he bought her Sonic when they were at Sonic. She eats. They I don't know if they had sex or not. Um but they go to bed and she explains that he's acting really threatening and weird and his behavior was very aggressive. And he's showing her around his house and talking about how much money he has and how he has all these firearms. He has guns everywhere. Even in the crime scene photos, there's like, there's rifles. There are oh, rifles I saw those. Yeah. Like laying on the bed. Yeah, almost. laying on the bed. Yeah. So she says at one point in her juvenile, um, like she had a, a juvenile hearing before she was, before her actual trial, she talks about how he grabbed her very aggressively. Um, and like by her vagina yeah. very aggressively um and so at one point they're in his bed oh, gosh that's scary yeah it's at one point scary. they're in his bed and he leans over and she got scared because he had guns everywhere and she thought he was going to grab a gun out from under the bed right because he had basically just because he attacked had, her uh, yeah and he's he had, at, at one point he was like standing over her and like he kept like being really aggressive. Okay. So he leans over, he rolls over to grab what she thinks might be a gun because he was being really shady, creepy. And she has a gun in her purse and she pulls out her gun and she shoots him in the back of the head. Got it. After she shoots him, she takes his wallet. I believe she took a couple of guns. She took his vehicle and she left and she abandoned his vehicle in a parking lot somewhere. Okay. So the charges we're looking at here yes. are what? First degree murder. Okay. Um, I'm assuming they charged her with robbery because the prosecution's whole oh, I thing think that is true. was that Centoya planned robbery. to murder this guy. She planned it all along to murder him for his money. That that's what they, that's what they presented in her trial. So in her juvenile hearing, it was determined that she would face, she would be charged as an adult. Why? I don't know that. Okay, cool. She's 16. Every 16-year-old I know is basically an adult, so. Yeah. So she's being charged as an adult. Um, so it is my question. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. Is, like, what's the difference then? Where's this line between self-defense and not self-defense, right? Because when I look at this, I think this is self-defense. But obviously, not everyone in the world feels that way. Right. Because the prosecution presented it as, a, as that she, it was premeditated. premeditated How is that murder. proven? Well, it's not. I think the biggest problem was that she, she took his wallet. So it's easy for them okay, to say that but she... Why, why? So in yeah. her trial, she talks about the reason she took his wallet was because she was terrified to go back to the motel where Cutthroat was living and tell him she didn't have anything. She knew that she was supposed to bring home money. And when you talk to trafficking victims and, and women mm-hmm. who are being trafficked, that's huge. Yes. If they go home right. or they go back to their pimp and they don't have money... Like, they could die for that. That's a code word. Like, literally. Oh, yeah. We're not exaggerating. Oh, yeah. 
So she took the wallet because she needed to take money. Or she knew she'd be busted. Okay, yes. You and I are on the same page with this. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Me too. But, again, we work with this a lot. So maybe other people do not see this. Maybe not. Also in her trial, there was nothing discussed, apparently, about her childhood trauma. About her fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh, boy. Um... And that's concerning as well. So let's take a step back and talk about what post-traumatic stress is. Yeah. Because that's what I'm seeing all over this. Mm -hmm. So post-traumatic stress disorder, which I don't know if she was diagnosed with this, but if you have such a history of complex trauma and such intensive trauma, we're not talking like falling off your bike trauma. Mm -hmm. We're talking like... Repeated rape and abuse. mm -hmm, Guns held to your head, like strangulation strangulation until you pass out. At 16, when when your brain isn't even fully developed. This is real deal stuff. Oh, yeah. This is like not a joke. No. So how post-traumatic stress works is if you are in a situation in which any anything in that situation reminds you of this trauma. Yep. Then it all comes back to you. Yep. Right? Or you have reminders or all of a sudden you feel like you're in danger. It's very triggering. Yes. Some people have flashbacks, some people don't, but the commonality, the uh, the through line here is that your brain and your body goes back to that danger and all of a sudden you feel as though you literally could die. Like that's how that is. Mm-hmm. So let's use this like falling off a bike as an example. Okay. Okay. So say, did no, I have an actual example and this is this is embarrassing, but okay. I feel like we need a little bit of a humor. You you know that I do not ice skate, correct? Yes, I know this, and I will not. Right. Well, let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. So, when I was a youngin, mm-hmm. I went with a group of friends ice skating. Basically against my will. Yeah. And I did not know how to ice skate. I don't even know how to roller skate. Yeah. Balance is not my forte. Mm-hmm. So I am out on the ice, like, holding on to the sides. Yeah. Thinking this is the end yeah. of my ice skating and my and my life. Mm-hmm. And so finally I get peer pressured to come into the middle of the rink with all of the other girls that I was there with. And so they're, like, pulling me, pulling me through. And I was like, it's okay, Livy. This is going to be Okay. This is going to be okay. I'm terrified, but this is going to be okay. Your face tells me you know where this is going. So sad already. (laughs) So we're in the middle of the ice rink, very crowded. And all of a sudden I reach this, my group of friends. And um, I'm okay for a second, but I lose my balance almost immediately. Yeah. And I, I am like a large person. And so I have some heft to me. And so normally someone could like gracefully fall down and it would be fine. That was not my experience. (laughs) I started falling and then my sweet friend was like, no, we like, no, code red. Like, let's save her. Let's save her. So she grabs onto me and I'm panicking and flailing. And then she is down. And then the whole group is down on the ground, (laughs) laying in the middle of the ice rink. It was so traumatic for me. Yeah. It was a lot. But let's talk about where the PTSD comes in. Mm-hmm. I do not have PTSD from this incident. But if I did, it would look like every time maybe I stood on ice, I would start thinking back about that and assessing, like, am I going to fall down again? Am I in danger? Maybe 
in a group of, of people, if I were to grab onto them in a certain way, I would just know that we were all going down. Yeah. Because that's what happened before. That's what's going to happen again. And I would feel all of that danger again. Mm-hmm. So obviously, way different example, ice skating, extreme complex trauma. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if in that moment she is there, he's being super spooky, he is showing her his guns. She's had times where people have held guns up to her and raped her. It says yeah. that, right? Yeah, she said that. That yeah, I think would you rape told her at gunpoint. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So all of a sudden, things get really, really real. Yeah. And whether, like, I truly believe that in that moment she felt like she was going to die. Mm-hmm. Because that's science. That's science and PTSD. Yeah. But no one ever talked about that, no. No, nobody talked about that in her trial. So she's convicted. She's found guilty. I can't. I can't even with this. She's I, found guilty and she's sentenced to life at 16 years old as a trafficking victim. I'm getting warm. Yeah. As a trafficking victim. Um, so basically, now this girl has been in prison for, well, over 10 years. I think 12, 13 years. Um... She has an associate's degree. She received her associate's degree while she was in prison. Oh, my God. And she spends her time mentoring young female inmates. Like a murderer. Like a heartless monster. That's right. Who would deliberately plan to mm-hmm. murder an innocent right. man. An innocent sexual predator <laughs> named Johnny Allen. We cannot I'm even be unbiased here. about no, this. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's... No. And so... That's Centoya Brown. So, basically, Kim Kardashian gets involved. And Kim Kardashian says she's going to pay one of OJ's... For those who don't know, Kim Kardashian's father was on the dream team that got OJ OJ off, right? Yeah. So, she's going to get one of OJ's dream team attorneys to represent Centoya for her, her appeal. Kind. Yes. And pay for it. Kim Kardashian pays wow. for this. So impressive. she goes forward with that process, um, was not granted anything by the board. So then they go forward more with the uh, Supreme Court of Tennessee. The Tennessee Supreme Court rules that she is to serve 51 more years before she's going to be paroled. So at this point, she will be 31 in January. Mm-hmm. She is, she's 30 years old. Um, so... The other night, I'm, I'm researching this because I've been researching this for a while because I find it horrific. Yeah. So the other night or the other day, the governor of Tennessee was speaking at an event in Tennessee on the importance of higher education. And I love this and I want to read it. Do it. So while he's speaking on Monday, this, this man named Justin Lang, it's a man named Justin Lang, which gets me because I love when men get involved in stuff like this because it's really important and women are tired. A man named Justin Lang, who's a higher education professional and a member of Black Lives Matter in Nashville, steps up to the mic during an open mic opportunity to ask a question. And he says to the governor, since we're here talking about education, I wanted to ask a question about one of your Tennessee students and a graduate of Lipscomb University, Centoya Brown. Oh, so sneaky. I love it. 
As a victim of sex trafficking and assault, this is an unjust sentence in the first place, Lang said. Under Tennessee law, all minors engaged in sex work are legally considered victims of sex trafficking. Yes, thank you. She has not been treated as a victim of sex trafficking and has not been given the justice she deserves. The Supreme Court's decision that Centoya must serve 51 years before she can be considered for parole is a human rights issue. <clears throat> and so I ask you, what really, functionally, is the difference between life without parole, which is no longer constitutional, as far as the United States Supreme Court is concerned, for any crime, and, oh, well, you might get parole after 51 years for a victim of sex trafficking. And then the mic drops. Then the mic drops. Just... So then one of the moderators is trying to interrupt him, like, please stop. Please don't incite a riot at our event <laughs> on higher education. For the love of God, man, please stop. <laughs> please. Justin doesn't stop. He's, oh, he's going. He's got more to say. Oh, Justin. So he says, and so I ask, why has Centoya Brown been incarcerated for 14 years for enduring harm? Ooh. And so I say, Governor Haslam, you have the power and ability to grant clemency to Centoya Brown. And so I ask, when will you grant her clemency? And what will be your legacy as you leave office? And how will you answer to this human rights violation that what? the state of Tennessee is committing by keeping her incarcerated? Ugh, what up? The audience erupts. Of course. Right? I'm erupting right yes. now. The governor thanks him as a kind politician. Thank classy. you for your question. Very classy. He says, we're reviewing a lot of cases. And while her case has gotten a lot of publicity, I don't think you want us to treat her any different than a whole lot of other cases that people want us to review. And he reiterated that they're talking to everyone involved in the case and that they will have a decision about clemency before he leaves office in six weeks. So in response, a woman in the audience shouts, that's not good enough. Chance of what do we want clemency? When do we want it now? No justice, no peace erupts, preventing the event from continuing. People are pissed about this. Very upset. Across the nation. Yes. And the governor apparently is considering whether or not to grant Centoya clemency Ugh, before he leaves office just, in six weeks. It's just so... I can't... I cannot wrap my head around it. Honestly, I can't. It The legal terms that you just read... Right? Mm -hmm. About victims of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. How is it that they're just going against... Yeah. The law. This wasn't a... 40-year-old prostitute who was on the prowl looking for innocent men to murder and rob. That's not who this was. This was a 16-year-old child who had been brutally and repeatedly sexually, physically abused for her entire life and then was forced by her psycho boyfriend to go out and have sex with men for money, which I have seen multiple times Me too. as an advocate at SAFE. Yeah. Even in Laramie, yes, I will say it. Even yeah. in Laramie, the shit happens. It's true. And he basically tells her if she doesn't bring home the dough, he's going to kill her. So she brings home this guy's wallet because she's like, oh my God. I was like, a 16-year-old trying I'd like to, to live another day. wrap your mind around the fact that you just shot someone and now have his wallet. She's a child. Has no Thank ability you. to process Thank something you. like this. So now this woman is 30 years old and in prison for the rest of her days. I mean, basically, she will. I mean, she, she could be paroled at, what, like 60, 69 years old, something like that. I mean, she's not going to have any, any life. You know, it's appalling to me. I don't even have words. Yeah. I don't even have words. Yeah. But something stuck out to me, Fran, while you were reading that. It's 
something about how they're reviewing many cases. Yeah. And she doesn't, we wouldn't want we her don't to get want special her to take, treatment yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, let's back up and talk about how many of these cases do you need to review? Yeah. Like, how many people are in this situation in which they were trying to protect their lives and stay alive? Mm-hmm. And now they're in jail. And, yeah, and so now this brings up a ton of, I mean, if you go to Twitter, mm-hmm. people are outraged because we see all the time. I mean, I haven't, I have to admit, I haven't read the whole case, but, like, recently a fraternity brother at a university was, like, let off with, like, a $400 fine for repeatedly oh, yes. raping a girl, Yeah. right? And all the time, we talked last week about how rapists often serve no jail time yep. for the crimes they commit. And, you know, you've got a... A, a girl who is has absolutely has PTSD. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Extreme childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Shoots somebody that she believed was a threat to her. And she's in prison for the rest of her days. Where's the justice in this? While that fraternity brother who repeatedly raped that girl has a $400 fine. And let's just talk about Johnny Allen. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Who is that guy? Let's get 43-year-old realtor soliciting a 16-year-old at Sonic for sex? I'm sorry. I'm Come sorry. On. I'm laughing at the Sonic part. Like, yeah. is that Sonic? where you go to pick up your Apparently, it's a big it's a big prostitution area in this part of Tennessee. That makes it creepier somehow. Yeah. It's like he went to Sonic to find a 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. to have sex with him. And I think people need to understand that sex trafficking is a huge it's a huge problem yeah. in America. Yeah. Like people think that this is something that happens in third world countries. Oh no. No. Like it happens every single day yeah. in the United States. Young underage girls being trafficked. And I will say that since I've, you know, I haven't, I've been here under a year Mm -hmm. and I've worked with multiple victims of sex trafficking. Yes. In this community. Yes. Yeah, it's very common in Laramie. Yeah. So if a person who's being trafficked defends herself, And so then there's the question, what's, you know, where does race come into this? Mm. If Johnny Allen had been a black man and Centoya Brown were a white woman, would things be different? I don't Instead know. Instead of the other way around. Yeah, because Centoya Brown is, is biracial and she's definitely yeah. got African American in her. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. But it's Tennessee. Sorry for folks from Tennessee, but y'all don't have a good history. It's just unspeakable to me. It's absolutely unspeakable. Yeah, it's it's bad. This poor girl. Yeah. I just think that she is a victim in so many ways. I think she's a victim of, obviously, all of the abuse she Mm -hmm. encountered. She's a victim of human trafficking. She's a victim of sexual assault. She's a victim of domestic violence with stupid cutthroat. I mean, I think... And where the hell's Cutthroat now? <laughs> Out trafficking other girls? But I mean, I think that... Where is his responsibility in any of this? Her victimhood transfers <clears throat> far beyond that. I think she's a victim of the child welfare system. I think she was repeatedly put in unsafe homes. And then the home that was deemed to be safe for her, that she could be adopted into and would be a sanctuary, maybe putting behind all of the other trauma, she was abused there too. Yep. And then she was a victim of all of all of this abuse that we're talking about. And now she's a victim of 
uh, the higher judicial system that is obviously not understanding her trauma, her experiences, and and so much more. And obviously, I mean, the law. I don't know what that's about. Right. I just, I, when is this girl going to catch a break? I mean, <laughs> you'd think that, like, if I were in this situation, I would just be over it. I would be so mean and I would be so done with everything. But what is she doing now? Getting her degree. Yes. And, and mentoring young women who are coming in who are also victims of complex trauma and who have also been sexually and physically abused their entire lives because a majority of women who are in the prison system are yeah. just like Centoya Brown. Statistically, that's correct. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a crazy high number of, of women that are incarcerated have been victims of complex trauma. Yeah, like like almost 100%. I don't it's have that It's really high. Number. It's like in the 90, like high 90%. It's high. I, I just remember reading about it and being astonished. Yeah, when we've done um, work in the prison in Wyoming, all I mean, all of those women were victims of some sort of gender-based violence at some point in their lives, often more than one time. So she's a model prisoner. She's trying to do the right thing. Um, and we'll see what happens with her, what happens to her. Yeah. But... People should look it up. People should do some research because people should be outraged. Yeah, I am. I don't even have the words. That's why I'm being so quiet. Like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I'm happy I have my tea. Yeah, me too. I've just been sipping on it. Me too. It's calming. Um, So we'll see what the governor decides in the next six weeks, if he's going to grant her clemency or not. I just feel that this is such a perfect example of how pervasive gender-based violence is. In so much of what we see. Yeah. And there's very little conversation about the role it plays. Like, there's very little conversation about it. women that are incarcerated. Obviously, there's a huge history, like you were saying, of complex trauma that very frequently includes sexual assault, domestic violence, gender-based violence in general. And that's never talked about. Well, and I don't know who her initial defense attorneys were. Idiots. But I'm thinking, like, you've got a kid who's 16 years old who's 16-year-old girls often, most of the time, don't just choose prostitution as their summer job, right? Like, if a 16-year-old is a prostitute, she's probably being trafficked. That's right. And so, at any point, are we going to ask, like, what the hell happened to this kid to make her... Where did this come from? Why is she a 16-year-old prostitute in the first place? And what is going on? And why has she been in and out of the foster care system her whole life? And why did she run away from her adoptive family? And what's going on in that household? And who the hell is cutthroat? And why is he hanging around with a 16-year-old girl? All of these things are not a factor? No. Like, who are her attorneys? The bottom line, they just, it was black and white for them. This girl shot and killed this poor middle-class man so she could take all of his money and never be seen again. Obviously, we're outraged. Yeah. That didn't... You didn't... I <clears throat> I tried so hard to be open-minded, fair enough. Well... I tried so hard. I was and, annoyed uh, before we even started. And <laughs> so if we people are interested, there's a documentary yeah. about Centoya Brown called Me Facing Life. It yeah. was done by PBS. I'm having a hard time finding it, but I would recommend that people try to look yeah. for it and watch it if they can because I'm sure it's amazing. 
Yeah. And if you are experiencing any of these things or have experienced anything, reach out for help. Yeah. There is help available. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can always call our hotline or national hotlines. Um, our hotline number is 307-745-3556. And we also should say that when stuff yeah. like this comes up in the media, it can be really triggering for sexual right. assault and domestic violence survivors. And so if you're hearing about things like this in the news and on your on your news feed on Facebook and stuff like that, reach out to your counselor. Or get a counselor. Or get a counselor and, and, and process that with somebody yeah. because, because that secondary trauma is pretty triggering for people. Yeah. yeah. Or just even understanding maybe some of the trauma or complex trauma that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, are you guys outraged? I don't know. I don't know if you are. Let us know. Yeah. We are. Yeah. I'm, I'm really upset. We're just going to spend the rest of the day being mad, but that's fine. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well. Um, have a great afternoon, everybody. <laughs> don't be mad. You know, just do your breathing exercises. Yeah. Mindfulness. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and until next week. Bye. Goodbye. Stay tuned for a wonderful quote from Centoya herself. acceptance and admiration hell yeah that's what they wanted my dad wanted to be admired because of the hard work he put in driving trucks and making that money and supplying us with the life that we lived Mm, cutthroat he wanted to be admired by everyone else in the street because I remember that one time he said that I was going to work and get him this truck it was a Suburban on some 26's he wanted admiration he wanted somebody to respect him he wanted people to admire him that's oh my god then you got Johnny what did he say I want a woman to make love with me with desire remember I told you that part desire he wants to be accepted Oh yeah, and those are my problems.